contrary to popular belief, professionalism is not dead on football and other F-words. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum. I'm joined this morning by Mike Herndon and Zach Lyons. We are all brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Please come check us out. We would love to have you over there, especially coming off of the 2021 NFL Draft. We have an absolute enormous plethora of news and draft analysts over at Broadway Sports Media that you can check out. Come check us out. Uh, so good stormy morning to you all. We were all woken up this morning, nice and early by high winds, heavy rain and hail, which is what everyone loves in Tennessee this time of year. Yeah. Yeah, I I actually just got woken up by Huxley. I didn't even know it was storming. (laughs) Like Huxley freaking out because it's stormy or Huxley just, he was just hungry. Just hungry. Yeah. Our dogs freak out every storm. So I, I got woken up a little, a little early this morning by our dog. (laughs) so uh i was gonna make the usual joke about we don't have a lot to talk about we have an enormous amount to talk about what i'm afraid about what i'm afraid is we're gonna record this and then something else is gonna happen this afternoon um normally we would have started off this podcast by talking about the titans 2021 nfl draft which we are going to get into and mike and zach are actually going to be releasing nice independent segments throughout the week that discuss in detail each draft pick But the first draft pick I'm going to discuss, unfortunately, is Rashad Weaver, defensive end, fourth round out of Pittsburgh, Uh, had some allegations leveled against him that were first reported or at least brought to our attention by uh, Emily Proud, WKRN, um, here in Nashville, Tennessee. This was from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I think I'm saying that right. Um, Essentially, here is the gist of what happened um, with Rashad Weaver. April 18th, um, a couple of officers responded to a bar um, on which they came across a female on the ground um, at a bar and they gave some cross streets. Uh, The female was surrounded by a group of people who was um, with a woman who was conscious and alert. She was checked and released by medics who said she was fine. She had small abrasions on her knee and arm consistent with falling to the ground. A female witness stated that a large male had punched her friend in the side of the head and identified him to the police by name and showed them a cell phone photo. Officers on the scene did not observe any injuries consistent with being punched. Um, Around five minutes prior, they had the police had broken up an argument between this lady and Rashad Weaver and apparently he made some kind of comment at the time that is something about if what was it if a female gets out of line he'll he's willing to punch um and so then apparently a few days later she started suffering from um symptoms of a concussion went to the hospital uh to which the hospital diagnosed her with a concussion and apparently also notified her at the time that she was either pregnant or she had notified the police that she was pregnant so the the gist of it is is that rashad weaver is accused of if nothing else simple assault on his possibly pregnant ex-girlfriend and this came out about 24 hours. Now, the, the police report was finalized and came out about 24 hours before he was drafted by the Titans. Um, first and foremost, we're, we're, we're not here to pass judgment or guilt. We're going to let that play itself out. What the three of us want to discuss today is, here we go again. Two years in a row, 
well, I feel like the Titans have had opportunity to identify red flags with a draft pick. And it then comes out after the draft that they missed some stuff. So Mike, are we wrong to dunk on the Titans draft process of identifying red flags? Yeah. You know, I mean, it certainly raises a question, but I think the timeline on this one I don't know. It's it's hard to know. And obviously, Paul Kaharski reported that he talked to scouts with two other teams. One said that they knew about the incident. One said they didn't. Um, so the charges weren't filed until literally the day before Weaver was picked. Um, so, it, you know, and obviously, I don't think Weaver was probably calling up teams between the the 18th and the 30th and saying hey just in case you were thinking about drafting me please know that I hit you know hit somebody uh hit a lady in a bar or anything like that and you know who knows again if he did it or not um but he's not going to offer up that information uh voluntarily especially if he doesn't know if charges are going to be brought against him or not uh, at that point so I I don't know I guess I guess part of me is how do, how would they have known? Um, you know, are they calling around every prospect that they're thinking about drafting, you know, the police department in the local area where they're staying at the time and saying, Hey, anything going on with these guys? You know, I guess I don't know how that process works, how they would find out about it besides, you know, just constantly checking up on, you know, everybody that's on their draft board, um, which seems like that would take an enormous amount of time during a time when their resources are pretty committed to figuring out what's going on with the draft. I mean, this happened, the charges were filed literally in the middle of the draft. I mean, it was, it, they were filed on day two. Um, so I don't know. I, to me, yes, it would have been good if they knew about it. And if another team knew about it, that obviously points to, Hey, you could have known about it. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't think obviously the Isaiah Wilson stuff's a separate, separate discussion. That was, you know, them clearly ignoring some maturity red flags. I still go back to, it's not like Isaiah Wilson picked up multiple DUIs and was, you know, arrested, uh, you know, three times at Georgia or anything like that. He was, he was to my knowledge had no prior, arrest record before getting to the NFL and then quickly racking up uh, a bunch of interactions with police. So I, you know, I don't know. I, to me, the timeline suggests that maybe they get a little bit of a pass. You would like them to obviously be better uh, about that kind of thing. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time looking at it and saying, all right, they definitely should have known about it. And here's how they could have known about it. But maybe that's just me being naive to, to how that process works and, and what NFL teams are doing to vet these guys as they're in the middle of the draft. Uh, Cause I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, it feels to me knowing the size of NFL staffs that a lot, all the resources are dedicated to figuring out your draft board, figuring out if you need to trade up, trade back, you know, talking to teams, things like that uh during the draft so I don't, I don't know that they're calling up the pittsburgh police department and saying hey just just making sure nobody's filed charges against this kid uh before we draft him on draft day you know i, I just don't know if that's realistic well i'll say this i mean we don't know who the two scouts were and what teams they were with if one of the scouts was with the pittsburgh steelers then obviously being located in pittsburgh where all this went down that's a little bit of a, a major major advantage 
over every other team in the NFL, right? Because, I mean, this obviously would have made the news locally in Pittsburgh or there would have your sources with in the Post-Gazette would have probably have let you know, right? Um, yeah, obviously, or, or even within the police department. Uh, right, right, right. But, but I, you know, I don't know that it would have made the local – it didn't make the news at all. <laughs> yeah, it may I not made the news. I mean, but, I mean, so before it leaked – I mean, or before yeah. it probably got written about, you would know because you would yeah, either right, know right, right. because uh, uh, obviously someone here asked the right questions. And that's what boils down to is that it's obviously the Tennessee Titans are not and their scouting department is are not asking the right questions or the questions that they need to be asking. And according to PK in the article, and, and I have heard this many times before PK wrote it, but it's right here in front of my face. In the scouting process, teams traditionally have a scout or someone in the personnel department check in with prospects days before the draft, double-check phone numbers, agent information, any updated or new injury information, and see if anything else has changed. So it's you're not calling all 300-something-odd prospects, right? Your 300-something-odd prospects are dwindled down to a big board that probably – and we don't know how – their big board number is, but anywhere from probably 100 to 130 prospects that you're interested in. And you have scouts in different regions, and then they have bosses, and then those bosses have bosses. So it's not John Robinson calling these people. It's the people that he has hired and trusted to find out the information that are failing to do the job. The Titans Northeast, and I love that finally that PK has named names or figured out who is in direction of what because we still don't i don't think anybody knows who the southeastern scout is that botched the whole isaiah wilson situation but obviously patrick calloway did not do his thing and then uh mike bonnie uh has oversight in the east who is patrick calloway's i guess supervisor or whatever you want to say he didn't do his job then there's college scouting director john salge and then it goes to ryan cowden and then monty osafort then john robinson so it like goes through five people before the information even gets to john robinson and Look, they may have known about it. Now, they say they didn't know about it, but they may have known that there was an inkling of something coming, and they may have just not cared. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons had issues going into college. Um, you know, there were rumblings that Isaiah Wilson had issues. Now, whether the Titans knew about it, we don't know, but everybody knew about Jeffrey Simmons. And then you got Danico Autry, who they just signed. I mean, he lit a whole apartment on fire. <laughs> He's getting sued for $30,000 because he lit an apartment on fire through his garage and damages. So he's in the middle of a lawsuit. They may just not care. And, and maybe, you know, or maybe they know more information than what we know. And they've read the police report and they may just said, well, we didn't know the charges were going to get filed. They may have knew that there was an incident, maybe not the extent of the incident. That goes back to this team has continually shown, in my opinion, this, this, Low the low level scouting department that is uh, the the regional small local scouts. Well, and they're not asking the right questions, and that's just what it is. And here's here's the point I want to make to back up Mike's you know point here. I agree. I, I think that's 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 a tough ask to do to try to find something out on on a plethora. Of, I mean, especially as you're getting into the third and fourth round. This is where I turn into a draft idiot, but. I would imagine as you get into the third and fourth round, there's a possibility that your board gets a little broader, right? Because you're not, you're having a hard time trying to predict what other teams are doing. So going down a list of say, let's say you got eight to 10 people that you're targeting in the fourth round. Are you calling eight to 10 different police departments? I mean, you know, it, it, it gets a little outrageous, but here's the part that kind of bugs me. 
is the Titans released a statement saying we learned of this incident this morning, this being yesterday morning, Monday, May 3rd. If that's the truth, then they essentially learned it from either Emily Proud or the Post-Gazette article. So how is that possible? Let's assume you've made the pick. Are you not doing any due diligence on the person after you made the pick to figure out, okay, do you have any Laramie Tunzel style surprises that we need to get out in front of before you set foot in this building and start taking Jersey pictures and that kind of stuff. Right. And, and so. And I, I wonder if we were just lied to him or just said, you know, Hey, the, yeah, I don't have any, you know, d- have you had any run-ins with the police now? Um, and, and hoping it was just going to go away. You know, I, I don't know. Cause that's that's the thing you know I, I just i don't know on, that's on possible but that's possible but if he, if he had charges filed against him he wouldn't simply be able to just give a denial right i mean the team i would still think the team would already be formulating a response of okay well dude listen whether you did it or not a police department has a written you know you are being charged situation so we need to get out in front of this but the titans released a statement saying yeah we learned of it this morning so that that's kind of where i'm at is that whether or not it comes out that he did it or not, it, it just seems like the Titans trying to read between the lines here were caught off guard again. And even after they made the pick, they're caught off guard. And I'm not, I'm not trying to carry water for the Titans here or anything, but just to ask a stupid question, because I don't frankly know how the process works. The, the reports that I read were charges were filed on April 30th, which was what, Saturday or Friday? Yeah, Friday. Uh, Friday. So charges were filed on Friday. He received a summons on Monday. I is that the first time he finds out about it, or is that, or does does he get a call on that Friday as soon as it happens? That hey, this is. I don't know how that process worked personally. So I don't either. I don't know if he knew about it until Monday, and so if he didn't know about it, how would you know? I I guess that's my question: is he he knew who knew about it when? I mean, I mean, obviously yeah, he knew he, he knew that the police were looking into it, but didn't well, he know that charges had been filed? Well, he's already had talked to his lawyer, so his lawyer would know about it. So he would know about it. I okay. mean, yeah. that's that's I mean, you get, that's what the process you got to take with someone that's a celebrity. You get arrested. Your call is usually or get into the situation. Your call is usually to your agent slash your lawyer, depending on what if you're a celebrity, if you're an athlete, blah, blah, blah. So the. Maybe he knew about it. I mean, he would have known that they're in the process of filing some charges. Charges have been filed. The lawyer is going to know. Now, granted, maybe he didn't tell Rashad. Maybe he's like, hey, enjoy your weekend. I'll worry about this on Monday. But someone knew about it close to him if, if he did not already know about it. But again, he was probably advised by his lawyer, hey, don't talk about this. I mean, because that's what lawyers do, right? I mean, you hear about it all the time. and say, hey, don't talk about this. Don't bring this up you know, I'll try to get this handled for you. And maybe, you know, the Titans didn't ask the right questions or maybe they asked a question that allowed him to kind of dance around the issue, right? So to me, it's just, first off, I don't think this is technically John Robinson issue other than the fact that he has kept some, he's got to get his employees in line. He's got to have stricter, guidelines and questions and processes in place for these lower level scouts that are about five levels below him. Right. That, that is an issue. It's, it's, it's exactly what John Taffer would say. I watched some bar bar rescues back. So I watched bar rescue last night and he did blame the general manager, but ultimately 
it is the employees that are failing John Robinson. And these lower-level employees got to get their shit together and do their due diligence a little bit better because this this is important. And it and listen, if this turns out to be false, this is still a bad look for the Tennessee Titans that they didn't even know about this. If because that's what they said, right? That's the stance they have taken publicly. We did not know anything about this. We just found out yesterday morning. So even if that's not true and they lied to us, that still makes them look bad, right? Yeah. This is yeah, just... I mean, they, they look bad either way in this deal. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's the bottom line is that right. they're, they're either not doing enough to find out about this stuff or, you know, if they're just, if they know about it and ignoring it, then that's not great either. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and I, I think we shouldn't be so naive to think that NFL teams are – all other, all 31 other NFL teams are comprised of saints and choir boys. You know, that's, that's not what's going on here, but you certainly don't want to be taking guys, especially in the fourth round. I mean, Weaver, I, as a player, I think Weaver was a good value in the fourth round, but yeah. regardless of what, you know, he can do for you as a player, you don't want your fourth round pick to be making headlines for this kind of reason. It's just not, that's not worth the headache at that point. So you know, they, they've got some issues one way or another uh, that they need to address. But, um, yeah, I, I think it'll it'll be interesting to see how this plays out from here and what we find out about the situation. It's just poor timing. I mean, when you think about it a year later, I mean, Isaiah Wilson's, you know, EP just dropped like two weeks ago and he's still fresh on the mind. It's, it's an open wound for Titans fans still. Anything that with Isaiah Wilson being these Titans fans are all over his Instagram just like, salivating at the next thing that Isaiah Wilson's going to say or do or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's fresh on the mind of Tennessee Titans and that, that makes this a whole lot worse. And then you got, you know, Tajay, people bring up the Tajay sharp bar fight, you know, here's another bar fight in draft weekend, you know, the Jeffrey Simmons problem, which listen, the Jeffrey Simmons thing turned out to be a non-factor in his NFL career. And this could turn out to be an, an, a non-factor in Rashad Weaver's NFL career. You know, it is what it is, but the the, the it all boils down to the process for me. And I think that they need a major overhaul of their pre-draft investigative process. I guess is for lack of a better word. Let, let me let me ask this: if if the charges come and and it turns out he was involved in some way, you know, whether he pushed her and she fell or whatever. Um, you know, I'm not sure how all, how it all played out, but if he was involved in some way, do they cut him immediately? No, I don't think they do. No, no, I, I just, I just don't think they will. I mean, now if he like punched her and kicked her while she was down and, you know, if he was ultra violent, then yeah, I, they would definitely cut her. But if it's just like a, a push, you know, not to say that's okay pushing women or anything. And I really don't want to go down that road because obviously it's not. But in the NFL, it's unfortunately, I don't think that means he gets cut. I think it's a harsh suspension. I think his comment and it apparently made it to police officers. Yeah. His, his comment is true about <clears throat> him feeling like there's an appropriate time to lay hands on a woman. I think that's what makes this more problematic. This goes, is, this goes back to our app idea where we give it to all the players and they text us or send us a message and ask us, should they do this or not? 
And then we tell them no, because I mean, nothing at a bar after 2 a.m. is worth and, staying yeah. for. And listen, if you're an NFL player and it's draft weekend, you shouldn't be at a bar anyway. You should be at home and stay out of trouble. And if not, he would have yeah. texted us, we would have let him know that. How are well, you not locked in the house with an Xbox? Before. Yeah. What'd you say, Mike? It, it did happen two weeks before the draft. So it wasn't well, on yeah, draft weekend. That they well, now, well now, the, now Michael, the charges. Now, Michael, no go splitting hairs here. Yeah. <laughs> it is two weeks before the draft. You need to be studying That's true. draft yeah. things. You need to be taking yeah. your draft SAT. No, but I, yeah, the, I, the one thing that you can't do is get in trouble with the law at that yeah, point, right? I, like, I, that is absolutely true. In all seriousness, that's what I'm thinking. It's just like, dude, you're two weeks away from the draft. How are you not locked in your house with an Xbox and someone is delivering food to you? If I'm a sports agent, I am telling after the Super Bowl, from Super Bowl to draft weekend, you have a 10 a.m. curfew and you're not allowed to go out to any bars. If, 10, if I'm a sports agent, that's what I'm saying. 10 a.m. curfew. 10 p.m. Sorry. <laughs> I wonder what that's it. That's lenient. The app, the app that you're referencing, Zach, it really needs a time check. If they text us, it automatically replies back, what time is it? Yeah. It's 12, 15 a.m. Are you texting me from home? No, I am not. Go the fuck home. Yeah. No, it, it should just Lift track home. They Lift are home. Yes. <laughs> after after midnight, you just it just starts sending a message. Go home. Go home. Go home. Go home. Yeah. <laughs> it needs. I want like a. I'm thinking of like the old RoboCop style commercials where they were just real over the top. Like if it's twelve fifteen and they start texting, a lift pulls up and drags them into the car. <laughs> like, like not voluntarily. Like big robotic Doctor Octopus arms drag this individual into the car. <laughs> the robot from Fox Football uh, graphics. So I'm sorry. I'm, I'm and and he's not a kid. Like he's not like. Because, you know, with Isaiah Wilson, the, the some of the excuse was, oh, he's a kid. He's like 19 or 20. He was like really young, right? I mean, people would say, oh, he's just learning. Uh, Rashad Weaver's, Weaver's about to turn 24. Yeah. So, like, he's not – this is this is way past the prime of I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a young, dumb kid. Yeah. In my 20, opinion. 24-year-olds are pretty dumb, too, though. I yeah, was, but I, I mean – very dumb 24-year-old. <laughs> Yeah, but you shouldn't be this dumb at 24. With no, as no, well, nobody, NFL nobody should be so dumb that they're hitting a woman like that. Yeah, that right at the Allegedly bottom line, if that if that's what he did, yeah. then that's unacceptable at any age. Let's let's talk about the Tennessee Titans draft as a whole now. <clears throat> excuse me, as I said in the open, you know, Zach and Mike, obviously, you are going to do a little bit more in depth than the actual picks themselves. But I, I'm just gonna, I'm going to put the broad the the broad problem or the broad i don't know how you, how i want to phrase it but let's just let's just throw it out there the titans didn't draft a wide receiver until the sixth round i don't know fourth. that anyone any one of us sitting here fourth round oh i'm they sorry traded they traded up for for that one loser that's right God, that loser that oh one loser so i i think part, my problem with the draft as a whole, as, as this played out was that I allowed myself to become so consumed with the idea of drafting Elijah Moore that I, I turned myself off to the fact that they could absolutely go the first three rounds without picking anyone on offense. Who's going to catch a football. So that's the part I had. That's the hump I had to get over on my own, but it, it did you expect the Titans to go like, you know, cornerback, offensive tackle, cornerback, you know, just 
all defense almost through the first four rounds? No, I, I didn't. Now, I mean, I expected that they would get maybe an edge and a quarterback in the first three rounds and mix that in with an offensive tackle, wide receiver, pass catcher of some sort. Because, I mean, that that's just what it would – a smart team would do, right? I mean, you, you know, I, I'm sorry – I think that the, their process was flawed this whole offseason. Now, when you look at the, how the offense worked and how the defense worked in the offseason, and now you look at the draft, they took a way big step into overcorrecting the defense. They basically killed the offense so the defense could live. I mean, they, they sacrificed Corey Davis, Johnny Smith, so they could get Rashawn Evans' backup for next year, and he's Rashawn Evans 2.0. And they just pretty much ignored the wide receiver position because you can't tell me, listen, there's nothing. I have no problem with these players. Like I hope, I hope these players do phenomenally and they prove to be the value that John Robinson placed on them, but the value and the process of how they went around to draft these players and the players that were available when they drafted Monty Rice, when they traded up and lost, uh, traded away a fifth round pick for a Des Fitzpatrick, when they took Racy McMath and Brady Breeze, when there were other players on the board, including Volunteers uh, guard Trey Smith, I, I think they they really missed on the. It's it's a fifty fifty draft for me. Four picks I disagree with. Four picks I really love, right? I mean, it was a straight down the middle, uh, a C plus, B minus kind of draft for me because it's like the value of Elijah Molden and Rashawn, Rashad Weaver really balances out the horrible value that they got in some of these picks. And listen, I get it. Six-round picks hardly ever make the roster, but you could maybe get six-round picks to have a better chance of making the roster and being contributors and what they did. And – I think Monty Rice was drafted way too high. Des Fitzpatrick was drafted way too high. And to give up a fifth for Des Fitzpatrick is lunacy to trade back and take Monty Rice over Amari Rogers or Nico Collins. It just doesn't make sense to me. And then on top of that, I don't think they did try to trade up for a wide receiver. I know he said they did, but everybody else that wanted to trade up was able to trade up. I don't see how you were the one team that couldn't trade up uh, and not get who you wanted. So I, I just I I am the I don't like that the offense is gonna drop down and the defense is gonna jump up. And I don't know if that is the correct way to move forward because offense gets you to the playoffs, defense gets you to the Super Bowl, but I don't know if the offense as it sits right now is enough to get this team to win the division and get a home playoff game. And that you need that. Yeah, I guess my overall thoughts on the draft are similar-ish. I mean, obviously, you know, I think Farley was a great pick. Um, I, I think Dylan Radens is going to be a really good football player. I, I'm for that pick, um, especially given how the uh, the offensive tackle board ended up falling. Um, the options available if they'd waited until 85 got, got pretty thin. 
Um, so I, I don't mind them going ahead and grabbing Dylan Radens with their second pick. I love the uh, Elijah Molden pick. I love the Rashad Weaver pick, you know, the incident aside or whatever. Um, Monty Rice was a little bit of a head scratcher, although I don't think it was as big a reach as, as it's being made out to be some places just it, they picked him at 92. Most places had him between like a hundred and 110. So if you want to say, all right, they reached by half a round for Monty Rice. Okay. You know, that, that's not a huge deal at that point in the draft, in my opinion. And, and who knows what, what he'll turn into. I, I have my own issues with the fact that he basically sounds like Rashawn Evans 2.0. And, and if you see some of the stuff that he does on tape, it, it looks like Rashawn Evans 2.0. So I don't think, Rashawn Evans is what you should want in a football player. Right. So hopefully Monty Rice is better than that. But, you know, there, there's some questions there. Um, Des Fitzpatrick wasn't on the top of my receiver list by any means. Um, I've actually gone back and watched some Des Fitzpatrick since the draft is kind of re, you know, re-looking at him. And you can see why they like him. You know, the size is great, 6'2", 210-ish. Um, and, and obviously the speed and the, the mid four fours is there and, and he, the speed shows up on tape. Like it, it is good game speed, um, was a deep threat for Louisville played with a horrible quarterback. So he didn't put up huge numbers, uh, during his time there, uh, you know, we'll see he plays hard. He blocks well, like, you know, I, I know everyone hates the, when Titans people bring up blocking with wide receivers but when you have Derrick Henry it, it does matter uh that your wide receivers are willing and capable of blocking uh you know corners and safeties so you know Fitzpatrick does that which I think will help him see the field early I think you know they're not going to put a guy out there who can't block anybody uh so I think he's going to see the field pretty early that all being said and then the six rounders McMath and, and Breeze are very clearly special teams picks though those were guys that they think can make the roster as special teams guys and maybe have some upside to develop into you know role players uh on offense and defense long term um mcmath obviously size speed freak which i don't, I don't know if he's ever going to become a, a wide receiver um but if he turns out to be a really good gunner uh and, and you got him in the sixth round and you don't have to pay a veteran uh, like a Chris Milton or whatever to, to come in and do that, especially when you're up against the cap, like the Titans are right now, maybe that's, maybe that's worth it for a six round pick. Um, but obviously not taking a wide receiver higher um, leaves them with questions in, in the pass catching group and not taking a tight end at all um, was surprising to me because you've got still just Anthony Ferkser and Jeff Swaim as the only guys with NFL experience, uh, you know, in that room at this point, Jaron Pinkney, um, Tommy Hudson, and then uh, um, Parker Hesse, all guys who have been on practice squads uh, and, and, you know, maybe can turn into something, who knows, but I don't have a whole lot of, I, I don't want to put any faith in them all of a sudden taking up a, a tight end three role and being one snap away from playing a lot of snaps for this football team. I, I think, to me, when I look at the roster, there's another move that's coming. There's no way they're going into camp with this wide receiver group and this tight end group. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But th I just think there's zero chance that they are going into camp without making an addition at either of those spots. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, Zach, Zach is making a face like you're wrong. And Zach is making a face like he, he doesn't want you to be wrong. <laughs> 
I, I listen, I, I don't, I, I don't trust me. I, obviously I want this offense to improve, but I don't know that they do because just look at the, what the off season has told us so far. They're, they're comfortable with the tight ends they have. They have, 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 didn't reach out to tight ends. Michael Pruitt is still wandering out there in the free agency. They haven't really just reached out to tight ends in free agency. They obviously didn't draft a tight end in the uh, I mean, draft. I mean, so we don't, we I don't just, know that they didn't talk to tight ends. Well, we, we listen, I'm sure that if they talked to a tight end and the tight end signed somewhere else and chose another team over the Titans, PK would be all over it. I mean, come on, let's, let's be honest here. I mean, have we heard that the Titans were in on any guy that signed elsewhere? Yeah. This we, uh, well, no, we heard that they actively, first off, they were in on Juju, right? So we know that, but they were they actively, were? yeah. I'm pretty sure that got reported that it was. I, I didn't think they were one of the teams that got listed for I Juju. Thought, uh, they were, could no, be, it was Watkins. Watkins was one oh, of the ones that they Maybe I'm to. misremembering that. I don't think uh, Juju ever did. Well, see, that's the issue then. You know, we heard all the teams that Juju that reached out to Juju to reach out to Marvin Jones to reach out to Kenny Galladay, and Titans weren't on any of them. I, I don't. I think this team, and we heard them say at the beginning of, or of, not the beginning, but a, a few months ago, they feel that Corey Davis was a product of Derrick Henry and AJ Brown. They could slide anybody in wide receiver too. We we've heard Mike Keith already say that they're going to slide Anthony Ferkser into the slot, and you're going to see him in the slot a lot. He said that yesterday, I believe. I don't know where he said that, but he said that yesterday. He made several points yesterday. I think they're comfortable with the group that they have. And I think that, you know, if they if they sign someone, it may be Michael Pruitt. I mean, like if they sign a, a tight end or something to be like that. I think if you think that this team's trading for Zach Ertz, if you think this team is trading for Julio Jones or Anthony Miller or Tim Patrick, sure, that would all... On paper, everything but Anthony Miller would move the needle to me. But I just don't think they are. I think they're comfortable with the offense that they got, and that scares me. I want to be wrong, but I don't think I am. I, I just think that if you're looking for a big splash move to come in, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be, like I said, a Michael Pruitt signing. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, but here's the, here's the thing. And then here's why, part of why I believe – that there is a move coming at the end of the draft. John Robinson was asked about, you know, Hey, you didn't take a tight end. Uh, I think the question was something like you didn't take a tight end. Um, you know, were there guys that you were trying to get in the draft or, or are you just comfortable with the guys that you've got? Um, and his answer went something like, you know, we did try uh, or we were looking for a couple guys and, you know, didn't end up getting them. Um, but you know, the, you know, we've talked to, uh, something, something came up where he specifically said other GMs have called him about players on their roster, which I take, you know, obviously Zach Ertz is a guy that jumps to mind. I think David and Joku's another guy, uh, that would be out there. Um, and I don't know why he would go out of his way to say that if he was just saying, you know, it's easy. It's very much easy for John Robinson to go say, you know, we tried to get a, you know, we, we looked at a tight end, um, didn't get him, but we added some guys in the UDFA that we're, we're happy about. And then we uh, we've got, we've got some, some guys on the roster that, that we think are going to be good football players for us and just leave it at that him going out of his way. And, and a question about the draft talking about other GMs, calling him about, 
tight ends on their roster tells me that he's at least having discussions about trading for tight ends, um, if nothing else. So I don't know. I, I tend well, to yeah, think sure. he could be trying happening. to trade for like Ian Thomas because the, you know, the Panthers drafted Tommy Trimble. So they could, he could be going for someone like Ian Thomas, but that, that I don't, I think if there is a trade, it's not a move the needle for the offense kind of trade. That that's all I'm saying. If, if there is a move, it's not going to move the needle. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I guess I don't know what the point would be if they're trading for an Ian Thomas. I mean, that, that's, Hey, I don't know what the whole point of this whole offseason was other than let's completely ignore the offense and just focus on defense and load up and hope that we get several pick sixes a game. That's all I can hope I mean, for. I mean, I, I think I think you're right, though, that their belief is that the offense is Tannehill, Brown, Henry in the offensive line. Like that is the core and the other pieces are producing because of that. And if you go back to the 2019 season, I think they've got some evidence for belief for why they should believe that given what. Tannehill did down the back half of that season with Corey Davis. I think Corey Davis had one game with more than like 50 yards receiving with during that stretch with Tannehill uh, when they were putting up 30 something points per game. John New Smith produced a little bit during that, that run, but wasn't, you know, he wasn't putting up huge numbers either. So I, I think that is their evidence for, this is why we believe this can work. You know, Davis was dealing with a uh, the turf toe injury, which we found out later about. So he was a little bit hampered. But so is injured Corey Davis or, you know, that much different from Josh Reynolds? Probably not. Um, so I, I think there's evidence for that. And we will see if they're right or wrong. If that if they are, in fact, just saying, all right, that's it. We're done. Uh, this is the roster that we're going to camp with. I still don't think that's true. I, I think they're going to make an addition via trade, and, and that may not be Julio Jones. And, and I think everyone should tamp the brakes on the Julio Jones thing still. It's only been speculation tying the Titans to that situation. It's still not 100% certainly that the Falcons are actually going to trade him. There's other ways that they can get under uh, the salary cap. Like, I know they've got to do something, Um to make their cap work so that they can sign their draft picks. They don't have enough money to sign their draft picks right now, but Julio trading Julio Jones, isn't the only option there. It's, it's an option, but it's not the only one. Um, but frankly, given the fact that his contract is fully guaranteed, I think they probably want to deal him if they can. Uh, Cause that contract's awful uh, for the Falcons at least. Yeah. I, you know, I listen, like I said, I hope they do something. I just, I have this, feeling in the back of my head that they're not going to and then you're going to see a cam bat a play that goes to cam batson on the first read and he falls down because he's too small like i don't know i just see khalif raymond in my head and thinking we did what with our offense all off season like john who's I, I really don't care about yardage right yardage is important because it moves to chains blah 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 touchdowns right i mean we are missing about we're missing at least 13 touchdowns between the between Corey Davis and Johnny Smith. That's going to be hard to produce. And listen, the difference between uh, we were, we had 30 points per game last year, right? And we had 33 or something or over 30 with Ryan Tannehill two years before, you know, the difference between being that ranked up that high in that and being ranked down in the 18th or 20th, uh, you know, range, is a difference of five points per game and and that matters and i i am highly concerned 
I don't, like I said, don't care about yardage. I'm highly concerned about our points per game dropping significantly and the defense not being on the field the whole time, right? Like now it feels like where we could buy the defense a little bit of time, even though they were crappy, kept them off the field. I feel like there's going to be a lot more three and outs coming our way. And we have a, we don't have Art Smith anymore. Like the Tennessee Titans don't have Art Smith. And to me, that's a that's a problem when you are going to Todd Downing, who, granted, go read my article. There's a whole history of what went wrong in Oakland under Todd Downing. But you're giving Todd Downing way less toys to play with than what Art Smith had. And so that's a lot of pressure on Todd Downing to try to come in and sustain the offense at an appropriate level that lets us take advantage, lets the Titans take advantage of the defensive improvements that they've made. I just, I, um, I'm a little troubled by the kind of a lack of attention to pass catchers in, in the off season so far, including the draft. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope, I hope the Titans have a plan to actually figure this out. Um, one, go ahead. Well, sorry, this is a little off topic, but this is an updated story on the Rashad Weaver thing that just got posted up on uh, by Paul Karski. Among scouts with five other teams, three knew about the allegation against Weaver prior to the draft and two did not. So it's now 50% of teams that he knows. So us and then these two other teams, Tennessee Titans and two other teams, and then three others did know about it. So just got posted. Um, Just an update to that story. I just want to let people know that. I just I know it's a thin window, but I really feel like the Titans should have known. So I just it's really more the statement they made of we learned about it this morning is what still bothers me. Like there are apparently a few teams that knew about it before the draft, and yet the Titans didn't find out this entire thing until after they picked the guy, and it turns like 10 a.m. on Monday morning. Um, all right, let me back up to what we were just saying about uh the Titans offense. I, I see a lot of people throwing out there, including Mike, I believe you did as well. Delaney Walker. Is this realistic? I don't, I don't know if it's realistic, but I, if, if they aren't going to make a trade, I first, let me say, I would prefer if they, if they have a trade they can make for um, Njoku, OJ Howard, who I don't, I don't even know if OJ Howard's actually available. Um, I don't even know if he's that good. I mean, he's he's better than anything they have on the roster right now. Uh, I think it's um, debatable between him and Ferkser about the value they bring to the team, to be honest. I mean, I'm just being I honest. Mean, yeah, I, I think he's a better blocker than Ferkser, and, and he's athletically, you know, it, the potential is is massive with him if he can stay healthy. When he's been healthy and on, on the field, he's been pretty good. Um, I don't – so Howard and Joku, those guys would be kind of my top two choices – I would, I mean, Ertz, I don't love the idea of trading for Ertz, especially for, you know, I think the Eagles are reportedly asking still for a third round pick, which is crazy to me. Um, but I wouldn't hate the idea because, uh, again, he's better than what you got, um, even if he is basically a, a, a bigger uh, version of Anthony Ferkser. Um, But if you're not going to make a trade and you're not, you're not willing to spend those assets to go get one of those guys – I think Delaney Walker, even at 37 years old, could still come in and help this football team because you're not asking him to be, you know, 30-year-old Delaney Walker and put up 800 yards, 900 yards a season and 10 touchdowns and all this stuff. 
you're asking him to come in and play a role alongside Ferks or alongside Swaim, maybe give you 40% snap count. Uh, he just took a year off, got his body right. He's, you know, reportedly been working out and wanting to make a comeback. Um, so if you put him in a, in a spot where you're not asking him to play every snap, you're just asking him to kind of go out there and be, you know, a part of a platoon approach at tight end. I think he can give you that. Um, and, you know, obviously well-respected in the locker room, knows the offense, you know, would, would step right back in and be able to pick things right back up. I think, I think there's some value to him beyond just the nostalgia thing. Um, if that, like I said, if the Titans aren't going to make a trade for one of those higher upside guys. Well, I just, I just can, don't see it. I mean, I, I, I get it. I, and I get what you're saying. I know you're not coming from a place of fandom, Mike, or anything like that. I know I, your analysis is spot on, but I don't think he wants that role. I, I think he, remember, don't forget, uh, don't draft a damn tight end or whatever he said on busting with the boys and all that kind of stuff. I, I think that you, you get the same of uh, at this stage in the career, you get, you're going to want, he's going to want, a bigger role than what you're what the Titans are willing to offer. And I mean, he's obviously been preparing for a comeback, but he's also he's not 30, get it anywhere. Well, that's what that's, I'm saying. The thing. It, he didn't get it any he's he's not. And the, and obviously his market is not there because I, I just I don't think I don't think he'll settle. I think he would just probably rather stay retired than settling for something that he doesn't want. Yeah, and, and that's fair. He very well may choose to do that because I don't think I don't think a they're going to give him a ton of money, um, and b I don't think they're going to give him a huge role. I think at best they're going to ask him to be you know maybe technically on the on the depth chart he'd be your your first tight end that that runs out with the offense when they call names. But I don't think he's going to play more than about fifty. I think of he's snaps. basically going to wait around. If 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 I were Delaney Walker and I was his agent, I I would be first off telling him take whatever deal you can get, just get yourself back on a team. But secondly, I think that I would also tell him, let's wait and see what injuries happen at training camp. That I think is what you're going to find with someone like Delaney Walker, or really with most of these free agents that are names that have name recognition attached to them are probably going to be waiting until after training camp injuries happen and we know that they will happen because the NFLPA does not want you to have any kind of conditioning when it, heading into training camp. And eventually, I think then you could see a, a name recognizable like a Delaney Walker sign with the team. I just don't know if it's going to be the Tennessee Titans after they cut him. Granted, it's not the same as the Casey deal, but they did cut him after coming off an injury and he was due a lot of money. Yeah, that's the NFL business and maybe Delaney understands that. I just don't know if the chances of reunion are high enough for me to even concern myself with wondering if Delaney's going to come back or not. So let me discuss the probably the largest story of the NFL draft leading right into it. Um, Aaron Rodgers decided to pull his own Laramie Tunzel style news story and drop a couple of hours before the draft that uh, he's pretty much fed up with the Packers and he wants them to trade. Um Nothing came to fruition of this. A lot of people were waiting around to see if teams were going to make some moves or trade to try to acquire Aaron Rodgers, and nothing came of it. And then in very typical Packers style, would they draft a tackle with their first pick? I mean, uh, they, just absolute, they just absolutely hate 
Aaron Rodgers. Like, just won't, they will not go out of the way to give this man weapons. Um, does Aaron Rodgers have an actual beef for wanting out, or is he being a prima donna baby bitch? I think, I think he has some, but I think he has some grief, but they did draft Amari Rogers. I mean, you look at it this way. If you're who has a bigger gripe, Ryan Tannehill, who only has AJ Brown and uh, Derrick Henry or Aaron Rodgers, who has Robert Tanyan, um, Alan Lazard, Devonte Adams, Amari Rogers, Aaron Jones, and uh, AJ Dillon. And a great offensive line. I mean, is there really a lot for Aaron Rodgers to really complain about right now just because they don't spend high picks unnecessarily? Because we know from talking with Mike that uh, high draft picks are crapshoot for wide receivers anyway. Like, you did the same thing to Brett Favre, and, you know, I'm sure Brett Favre wasn't really great to be around. And, I mean, you're, it's just, it's so, do it. Fucking retire. Quit talking about it, you coward, and do it. That's that's where I'm at right now. That's why if I was Green Bad, said, hey, we're not trading you, fucking retire. Do it. Yeah, be, make our day. Um, and then he uh, goes to the Vikings. Because even if he retires, they still own his rights. I mean, they own his rights till the contract's up, so even if he unretired, they'd still have to trade him, so he wouldn't get his way either way. Fucking do it, coward. Yeah, I, I think he's being a baby bitch. I, look, he won the MVP last year. He won the MVP. He put up crazy numbers. Did does maybe his ego thinks? Well, I did that because that's that's how good I am. I'm able to make uh, you know chicken salad out of chicken shit with these uh, shitty wide receivers they're giving me. But I mean, look, you're putting up numbers. Your team was wildly successful on offense. Your team was middle of the pack on defense. Yeah, uh, it kind of does make sense for them to draft a corner. Um, although it doesn't seem like this situation is obviously directly related to that draft pick. I know, uh, I think it was Ian Rappaport reported uh, yesterday that it goes back to the Packers cutting Jake Kumaro. That was right the after, final straw. Jake Kumaro. Right after uh, Aaron Rodgers praised him publicly, uh, the Packers cut him and they, they you know, Rodgers apparently took that as a slight against him in the fact that, you know, the, the team was, you know, sending a message to him or something like that. So I think, uh, you know, the fact that Jake Kumaro of all people could end up being the, the nail that drives a, a wedge between uh, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers is just so funny. Um, and he'll go down in like NFL history as this weird story of, you know, this a completely anonymous wide receiver that ruined the end of a career for one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Hey, I have an idea for Aaron Rodgers. How about you don't praise fucking Jake Kumaro? <laughs> there you go. That's all you have to do. If you, if you don't want to look stupid in public, first off, you already look stupid for praising a guy named Jake Kumaro, who is not on an NFL team uh, to my knowledge right now. So first off, you wouldn't look stupid. And then when the Titans cut this or the, the Packers cut this guy, because he's not a good wide receiver, you won't look stupid because you never praised him. Just shut the fuck up about these shitty-ass wide receivers. Like, give me a break. This guy creates his own drama everywhere he goes. He couldn't even keep Olivia Munn, who is a saint. Give me, give me a break. I am, I'm so out on Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a, a fun – I think he's a different personality. But he's basically just Jay Cutler with talent. Let's call it like it is. He, he, he is not a nice guy. He's not a 
some fantastic thing and he's like, oh, I'm going to go get paid millions of dollars to host Jeopardy. Fucking do it. Nobody's going to watch. Eventually, that will not matter and you're you're going to lose all the ratings and eyeballs on you that you have at the nfl just do it quit talking about it quit threatening quit doing it just do it fucking coward i'm so i sick have to of agree I, i'm i'm an aaron Rodgers fan i really like watching the man play i've made i've gone out of my way to make excuses for his kind of wild prima donna behavior in the past but he is he's just he's just being uh he's being a very silly man right now yeah. And he really just, I think he just needs to honestly just shut up. And it's just what Mike was saying about, dude, you put up MVP numbers last year. They actually went out of their way to make the offense better this year. What, what exactly are you complaining about? So just, I, I have to agree. I think the Packers need to call his bluff and say, look, we're not trading you. You have two options. You can go play or you can retire because we don't want to listen to it. Um, but that being said, I, I know the NFL world is not clamoring to see, you know, Jordan love anytime soon. So Aaron Rodgers, please just stay put and, and play football. I would really like to see you just finish playing for the Packers and stop running your mouth about demanding to be traded. I, I think probably one of my most favorite stories of the NFL draft weekend, though, outside of Aaron Rodgers, um, was the Houston Texans and their first pick, which didn't come to a pick like 67 in the third round. Um, I was watching the NFL Network's coverage live um, because ESPN's coverage live of the NFL draft is just the, the truck nuts of the football world. It's just awful to listen to. Um, but Rich Eisen lost his mind when the Texans picked. Uh, and, and who was it they picked in the in – the, um, Davis Mills. Third round, God, I've lost it. Yeah, Davis Mills. So, all they don't have a pick in the first round or the second round. The very first pick they made in the middle of the third is a quarterback. I I just don't know where to go with this organization anymore. They're just a nonstop factory of comedy. I I mean, even if, I mean, they got Ryan Finley, two Rod Taylor, Davis Mills, and now, of course, Deshaun Watson. Do they know something we don't about Deshaun Watson about these cases? I mean, that's the first thing that pops into my head. But the second thing is, if if they know that he's innocent, or if they if he if he turns out to be innocent and this is all goes away and he's able to play for this year, what a waste of a draft pick! It's just a waste of of a value. It's your first pick of the twenty twenty one draft. And you have no wide receivers besides Brandon Cooks. And that is who you go with. They probably have the worst wide receiver room in the NFL. And it is the this has been the worst draft I think I may have ever seen a team have. The, the Texans are just, they're so funny. Like, they've added so many bad football players to their roster this offseason. And it's just... It, it's, uh, you know, I think we said this on the, the live stream the other day. It's, it's like a team of, they're trying to build a team of 53 special teams guys uh, and, and just see what happens. You know, so special teams probably be the best in the league. Uh, offense and defense is going to be putrid. Um, so it, it's funny, you know, Mills, the Mills pick to me says they're at least preparing to move on from Deshaun Watson in some form or fashion because, you know, they've added all these quarterbacks to the roster. Obviously, not all these guys are going to make the final team. 
um, you know, even if, if Watson is suspended or, or whatever, or put on the commissioner's exempt list or whatever ends up happening with that whole debacle. Um, yeah. Davis mills. I, you know, we'll see if he turns into anything, but goodness gracious, it's, it's just, it's hard to see them winning more than a couple games next year. Uh, unless Deshaun Watson's able to put on the Cape and just come steal a couple for him, you know, and, and, and that would require him to of course get on the field uh, at some point in 2021. So it, I mean, David Cully, who remember he's the wide, re- wide receiver coach for the Kansas city chiefs that the receivers got zero touchdowns. And now he's going in a room with uh, Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks as his number as one two wide receivers, and uh, technically maybe not even Deshaun Watson on the team. And I mean, could they actually see? Uh, could he be the first head coach and wide receiver coach to have two different take two different teams to zero receiving touchdowns? That would be wild. I just I don't know where to begin with this group. It, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean absolute terrible poker playing if, if you are acting like that you know because all the comments from the texans so far is you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna watch this play out we're gonna reserve judgment until you know deshaun watson has a day in court well i'm paraphrasing obviously right but right. then you turn around and draft a quarterback after not having any first or second round picks and what killed me about the nfl network and espn was doing it too it just the way just national media covers the nfl draft drives me up the wall of they absolutely love every single pick Every single pick that comes across the board, just, oh my God, this kid has talent. He's just got so much promise. Uh, for once, I want to hear someone do exactly what Rich Eisen do. Dude, what the hell are you doing? Are you kidding me? And so Rich kind of had to pull himself back a little bit from that reaction. But at the same time, it's like you just told the whole world that you don't anticipate Deshaun Watson playing football this year, which is maybe stating the obvious that the rest of us know, but that the organization is just doing a terrible job of, of flashing their hand, not to mention – I agree with Zach here. Why not use that pick to try to pick up some sort of offensive weapon and give Tyrod Taylor a shot and, and, and give your team a shot of trying to get a few wins this year. But I, I, Mike is right. It's just all special teams all the time. We're just going to fill the roster of special teamers and see what happens. It's the way I used to play Madden against my brother, just run out of punt formation every, every single play and, who cares? Well, listen, let me let me say this. I have been trying to give my realistic opinion and assessment on the players that the Titans drafted, and the general public doesn't want to hear that the player that their team drafted was not worth the pick or was not or may not even make the team. They don't want to hear it. I got people defending who have never met Racy McMath defending the Racy McMath pick like he's going to make the – he's got the chance to be an all-pro. Like they don't want to hear it. So that's why you hear what you hear on all these local stations or media stations and national media is that they don't, nobody wants to hear the truth. Nobody wants to hear an honest assessment. They want to hear their team made the right pick. And here's why here's all the positives and none of the weaknesses. Yeah. That's and, exactly and what it is. It, I, I do. I do understand in their defense a little bit, the, the media companies, this is the, that kid's, the biggest night of his career to this point or biggest night of his life to that, to that point. And, uh, you know, for rich Eisen or someone to get up there and just immediately start shitting on him is kind of a shitty deal, right? Like this is, we're still talking about a 20, 21, 22 year old kid. And for them to be like, Oh, this kid is terrible at football. He's never going to turn into anything. And, And, you know, his family sitting there watching it. Like I, I look, 
I like the honest analysis angle in sometimes, you know, I, I think they do try to spin it to where it's like, you know, maybe the value isn't great, but here's what this kid can do. That's it's positive. So I, I kind of get what, what, why they're doing it that way. Cause like, I don't know. I, I guess I would feel kind of bad if they, they cut to these kids and they're just sitting there like watching the TV and they're like, wow, Mel Kuyper's just, you know, telling me I'm awful at football and never going to amount to anything on, uh, on, you know, while I'm sitting here with my family trying to celebrate it's, but it's kind of a weird situation, right? Like, I mean, to that point though, and, and maybe this is why it's a little more that way this year, but 2019, the Titans drafted Jeffrey Simmons and ESPN spent 0.4 seconds before they started taking a massive shit on him. That's true. I mean, they immediately were like, oh, the Titans have drafted Jeffrey Simmons. Do you know he beat a woman in high school? Let's talk about the woman that he beat in high school. Do you want to know about the beating that he laid on someone in high school? They just like, they just went completely overboard. And then, of course, last year's draft was ESPN going with the I'm, I'm so happy for you, Mr. Player was drafted in the first round. Do you, how do you feel about this compared to the fact that your grandmother's plane slammed into a mountain 30 minutes before the draft? Discuss. Yeah, it, it, yeah that was awful last year. Every, every player was like, this was the saddest thing that ever happened to them. Yeah. Let's talk about it for five Do you think minutes. your dead parents who are dead would enjoy the fact that you were drafted? Dead parents, kid? <laughs> your, your gerbil that died in third grade. Uh, how did that affect your NFL career? How do you like the fact that you know that we flushed your goldfish right before I put this mic in front of your face? <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah I just, I, you're like right. Just I, 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 the right tone, you know, you're right. I get it. I mean, obviously they're not one going to, they're not going to get up there and start trashing on a 21, you know, 20 year old kid. But at the same time, I would like a little more analysis of, I like the, I like the player, but this isn't the right fit for this team. Like I'm not quite yeah. sure why this team drafted this position here and, and rich eyes and he did start to back off he's like look nothing against this kid i'm sure he's going to be a great talent and the texans could probably develop him into something but bro you don't have a first or a second round pick the first thing you do is draft a quarterback and they had five total picks and one of them was spent on a quarterback i mean they just absolutely came out and said yeah deshaun watson not playing this year we don't care here's our insurance policy good luck yeah. and the thing to me too is, is the texans if you're looking at it from a long-term standpoint and you're saying all right We've got to prepare for a post uh, Deshaun Watson world is Davis Mills. Do they really think Davis Mills is going to become like a top half of the NFL quarterback? Cause if he's not, you're completely wasting your time. Like you can find a case Keenum or, or somebody like that to right. be a, a caretaker quarterback for you for a couple of years while you rebuild uh, and, and at least allow you to, to put a product on the field that's somewhat passable. Um you don't have to go take a quarterback. You could, what I would have done there if I was them is try to take the guy with the highest upside possible and just stack my roster to, to try to, you know, build for an eventual future where we come out of this hell hole that we've put ourselves in. So it's, um, it's just kind of baffling that they take a guy whose ceiling is probably like bad, bad starting quarterback. Well, before we wrap this up, um, Zach, I want to. Can you lay out what you and Mike are going to be uh, releasing this week as far as draft picks for the Titans and your yeah, coverage? So we're going to basically every uh, afternoon starting today with Caleb Farley, and every morning starting tomorrow with uh, Dylan Radens. We are going to break down probably about seven to ten minutes of just that player. We're going to talk about some interesting topics surrounding the player, but we're going to break down their fit you know, what it is that they're going to bring to the NFL. What about the strategy and getting there? 
What do we think about that? Uh, and talk about maybe some of their shortcomings a lot and, and do even some stat predictions. You know, we're going to talk about how many sacks maybe uh, Dylan Radins will allow. Something that we can go back to and talk about, given our opinion. It's basically going to be me asking Mike a bunch of questions and you getting the analysis, you the listener getting the analysis that you really want. Uh, I'll throw in a few jokes, but I'm sure after this draft coverage weekend, you're probably tired of hearing me talk anyway. So I'm just going to try to let Mike talk a lot. <laughs> We'll, we'll give you everything that you really need to know about uh, all what eight eight Titans draft picks. Yes, the most the most we're picks combine, they've actually made since uh, 2017, I think. Yeah, we're going to combine Racy and Brady at the very end uh, on Friday evening. So that's who will end Friday afternoon. Will be those two guys. That's going to do it for us. Football and other F-words. Appreciate you tuning in as always. We're brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come check us out. We have entirely too much draft stuff up. And if if our website has up a mock draft for 2022, I'm going to go insane. I haven't even looked to see if someone has put it up, and I'm, I'm going to lose my mind if you all have put one up. Mike is shaking his head no. Thank God. No, Thank God we are not that we're not organization. Waste your time with a wrong uh, 2022 mock draft that is is not going to be anywhere close to right. Yeah, mock draft or trolls, get back get back in your cave. Okay, your time's over. We'll 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 call on you again here in about you know 11 See you next January. See you next January. Um, thank you for tuning in as always. Please rate, review, subscribe. Let your friends know that you listen to us again. Football and other f words, and you just been effed. Broadway Sports Media Production.